Expert insight, clear analysis, strategy in action. Welcome to the CEO to CEO podcast, featuring the world's top CEOs. The podcast will welcome honest conversations meant to challenge traditional ways of thinking from fellow global industry leaders. This podcast will also explore the intricate world of M&A from an insider's perspective. M&A is a big deal, one in which you can drive the future of your business, your industry, and even the trajectory of the marketplace. This podcast is hosted by Kevin Campbell, CEO of Synity. Synity is a global enterprise data solution provider specializing in data operations and data transformation. Kevin is a global champion in data and has served as the former Group Chief Executive Officer at Accenture and COO of Oscar Insurance Corporation. This week's guest is Larry Castadius, Vistage Chair and Coach to many CEOs. Vistage is the world-leading peer-to-peer CEO advisory organization with over 24,000 senior executive members. Vistage provides guidance to CEO and executive peer boards to help senior executives make better decisions, ask better questions, and grow both themselves and their companies. Prior to joining Vistage, Larry was an accomplished human resource and recruiting executive at several prominent companies, including Accenture, Impillum, and Kinetics. Welcome to this week's CEO to uh, CEO podcast. And we are excited this week to have Larry Castadius uh, on with us. Larry is the uh, advisor to the CEOs of the world, uh, or the, the star <laughs> advisor uh, around. So we're excited. Larry's a Vistage chair, but he does a lot of uh, CEO coaching. So I thought it would be great to have his perspective. So Larry, welcome to the show. Thank you. Really happy to be here, Kevin. Uh, how about giving us a quick overview of your uh, career, Larry, and how you got to this spot? Sure. And actually, that's really germane to this conversation because uh, I, how do I say this kindly? I guess I don't. Anybody can be a CEO coach. Anybody can be a life coach. Just throw a shingle out there and say, hey, I can coach you. And what you really find out is unless you've actually been in the shoes of someone who started a business or run a business, it's hard to have that eye to eye efficacy with them. So the fact is, in my background, I was very fortunate in the beginning of my career to do a complete re-engineering of a company function by function with the boss consulting group. I was the internal facilitator. So process re-engineering was uh, my first forte. Um, actually went to the Duran Institute and was the last class ever taught by the legendary Joseph Duran himself. From there, I accidentally stumbled in the human capital management space. I really didn't intend to. I was just giving a speech on self-directed work teams and the CEO of North America for Ronstadt when they came to the US from Europe Big, tall Dutch guy comes up and says, I'm Eric Vonk and you will work for me. And I said, okay, I, I, I will do it. <laughs> and it was great. We grew a company from $100 million to a billion in five years. Great ride. Uh, I was a little bit hooked on the space after that. Went out to work with Monster. And then McKelvey, the CEO of Monster, was busy making the world's biggest yacht. And I had a business plan for doing recruitment process outsourced, and he couldn't be bothered. So I went to a company here in Atlanta and pitched the deal. They agreed to fund it. I was employee one, and we started a company that literally within three and a half years grew to $48 million. Um, that's actually where I bumped into my friend here, Kevin Campbell, when he was at Accenture. And from that journey, I learned what it was like to stare at the ceiling at three in the morning and worrying about my run rate, worrying about the talent I needed to get. 
worrying about, frankly, we're going to make the number. I had 14 months to get to profitability. Long story short, we did it. Company ended up being sold, to, uh, became source right, and then was sold to Ronstadt. Uh, from there, continued the journey on leadership, worked with Accenture and uh, did big global deals. I always remember Kevin telling me, Larry, if it's not $100 million in, in uh, total contract value, don't bother with it. And I always thought that was kind of amazing, the scale of which we did things there. Um, the CHRO of Vistage gave me a call, said, hey, this is a culture you would love. Come work with us. I worked for corporate Vistage for five years. I was a member for three years. And fast forward, chair in Atlanta is looking to retire, asked me if I'd like to take over his practice, and I do. And uh, the last three some years have been the best thing I've ever done in my life. So there's the career nutshell. That's awesome. Uh, and a lot of, as, uh, as I said, practical experience, I think in the introduction, I made sure to focus on practical experience. So, um, so tell us a little bit more about what Vistage is. So Vistage is an organization that's been around since 1957. So first of all, I'll soak that in, how many companies survived since 1957. It is Depending on who you listen to, YPO could say they are, we could say we are, the world's largest CEO membership organization. And, and the essence of it is very simple. If you hire a coach like a Larry, like, you know, me, you're going to eventually ring out their knowledge. But when you're in a group with 15, 16, 17, 18 other CEOs, and your only agenda is to help each other, you never ring that out. It, it, it is the efficacy of the peer group that makes it work. You know, how many groups do you chair today? Tell me how you put together the groups. Okay. So I have four groups, three through Vistage and one on my own. The one on my own is a give back. It's um, a nonprofit CEO group of nonprofits here in Atlanta. It's a who's who of nonprofits in Atlanta. Great group of people, but that's my give back. I don't charge for that. I do it um, pro bono. Then I have a what I'll call a larger company CEO group, which is roughly, I'm looking for companies between 50 million and up. Most of the companies in that group are somewhere between 75 million and 300 million. Then I have a smaller company CEO group, which is 2 million to 20 million-ish. And then I have a senior executive group. So people who are either very high potential, think VP, SVP, EVP, C-suite, um, senior executives. That's, that's the practice. And then I also have my own individual coaching practice, which is about a third of my practice right now, which is just individuals that for whatever reason, don't want to join a group, can't join a group and just want to get coaching um, as we go along. So how many CEOs in general, do you think you're working with or coaching at any one time? Well, I actually did the math preparing for this conversation. So here's the math right now. I have 48 CEOs and 23 senior executives in the practice. And it, is the, just getting to talk to them and getting new ideas, what keeps it fresh for you? What do you really love about being a chair? So without hesitation and without reservation, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever done in my life. I love every single day. I wake up energized. Everything I see and do, all revolves around this statement. It is a privilege to coach the few who influence the many. And you think about by transition of the coaches, uh, coaching those CEOs and those senior execs, how many lives you're touching in hopefully a very positive way.
you know, a lot of CEOs get offers to get coached by a lot of people, as you <laughs> yeah, uh, said in your, in your preview. Um, what do you think makes Vistage different? Um, and the and the power, maybe talk a little bit more about the power of the peer coaching. So very few CEOs get radical candor. And, and that's just the truth. That's that's what happens. They don't get a lot of perspective. They, they get a lot of white noise. They get, hey, you're the greatest. Um, they don't get a lot of pushback. So this is a place where they can go once a month and, and in no uncertain terms, hear truth. You know, they get to accept reality as it is and they get to hear radical candor. And what that really leads to is gaining perspective. And what I always tell them is, I think the main thing when I tell a CEO, when you join this group, a year from now, you're going to tell me I listen better. I look for perspective more. And I actually lean into getting people to tell me the truth. Now, the second part of this is a little more personal for CEOs. I make the joke, CEOs sign up and human beings show up. It's lonely. I mean, it literally is just a lonely job because everybody, for the most part, you're interacting with has an agenda for you. And sorting that out can be very lonely. Well, and you know, we can attest from the group that, that I'm in with you um, that, you know, you get comfortable with each other, you understand each other's business, you build uh, a personal side, and then you get the radical candor, right? There's yes. uh, nobody's afraid to say anything. Right? <laughs> it's so true. Be prepared to be vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, which I think is great. Do you have any examples that come to your mind of CEOs getting advice that you think, you know, kind of changed the trajectory of their company? I do. And, and I'm going to start with one that it sounds like a soft topic, but it truly is not. It's culture. And one of the greatest things that's happened during my practice is watching one of my CEOs who has a pretty large company, well over a thousand employees across the country, do a complete culture reset and see that CEO change her actual persona of how she shows up. So this whole idea of, you know, leaders are always exuding micro messaging and how you show up makes so much different. Your executive presence, your positivity and an amazing culture shift in this company from one of we're we're not going to admit mistakes and we're going to all fake good to one of radical candor, admitting mistakes, everybody's vulnerable and we lift each other up. So that's one of the great stories that I could tell about how a CEO stepped into the, into the culture shift, I'll call it. And then I think the other thing you see, and, and that was with the bigger company group. So I'll give you an example for a smaller company group. For smaller company CEOs, it is literally about pulling out of the weeds. It's stop being the hero with the cape start building a professionally run managed organization with real leaders and scale, teaching them how to scale. And I mean, it can be nuts and bolts things like learning cash flow, really understanding how to manage your business from a strategic point of view and not a tactical point of view. Great. And when you're doing one-on-one uh, -on -one CEO coaching, which you do part of your groups, but also, um, in your, your personal coaching business, what, what are the areas that people are typically asking for advice in? Talent, talent. It's always about talent. And you'll 
hear a phrase from me a lot and it's broken in the middle. And most of the times that's what happens. The CEO has a great vision, has a great strategy. Their team gets it. They have clarity. And I use this term called organizational champion. And it really is about setting expectations, creating enormous clarity with response checking, and then creating the scoreboard so you can find out if you're actually winning or not winning in these things. And, and that's, I'll, I'll give a, um, I'm not a big Simon Sinek fan when it comes to the idea that you can't win in business. I think people get up every morning and win in business. It's about winning against yourself, not against the world. It's being your best self. And, and I think that's what we may spend most of our time in as we get rolling. And we, mergers and acquisitions, do you get asked about those? Because uh, those are a common CEO gro- growth tool, right? All or the time. Growth. We talk about this all the time. And um, my advice to them gets back to some really simple advice. And it is, when you're looking to do an acquisition, what does their leadership team look like? Are there, are there, is there talent on that team that's going to translate over to your talent? Is the culture fit going to work? Because if it doesn't, it'll be a disaster. What's the basket of their client base look like? Is it diverse enough? Is it all leaning into you know, one or two large clients? And finally, do they, do they really lean into what you're doing? Do they buy into what you're doing? So that's on the acquisition side on, on, and the merger side. Now being acquired is a whole different kettle, right? And that is knowing your number, are you really going to be happy with the new ownership group? Because a lot of my CEOs have been bought by private equity. And uh, for the most part, I have to say, they're doing a pretty good job of doing what I'm telling you right now, which is making sure the culture fits there. And they clearly understand their role in the new organization, which by the way, can be, I'm out, right? I got my number, I'm going to transition and I'm going to transition out. Or am I staying in for that second, third bite? That's a... Uh... Good advice. Um, where do you think people get stuck? Is it always on the people issues on mergers and acquisitions? Well, I, th- I think it's, if you want to use the word culture to envelop that. So I think if you put people into culture, I think that's true. The other piece is the mix of talent. So is it a force multiplier mix of talent or is it not? And then the other piece is just the market. The, you know, how do we go to market together? Are, are we strategically aligned to enhance what we can do in the marketplace. You do those three things, you're going to be in good shape. And, you know, the broader uh, executives that you coach that probably are want to want to be CEOs some days. Yep. What do you think is the biggest thing that gets in the way of people becoming CEOs or, or, or getting, uh, achieving their vision? So I'm going to put it really, really straightforward. Humility. Humility. If you truly want to be the leader of an organization, leaning into emotional intelligence, being self-aware, being a good self-manager. Do I walk my talk? Social awareness. Can I read the room? Do I have the executive presence to lead the room? And then finally, relationship management. Am I a relationship builder? Do I lean into empathy and vision? If you do those things, you can be a great CEO. What are the other kinds of problems that you have to coach those executives through? You know, kind of the tear down that, you know, yep. You, yep. Get, you, you must get some that say my boss is impossible. Right? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Um, I ask them to look in the mirror when that happens. 
because it's a relationship, right? Yeah. You have an impossible boss because you've created an impossible relationship. You're half of that relationship. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving you a lot of sympathy there. I may give you a little teeny bit of empathy, but you better look in the mirror there. But what it really is, is top grading their teams. Some of the greatest career advice I ever had in my life. And, and I actually used this quote and Kevin, you've heard me say it. Yeah. I ask CEOs and senior executives all the time. One quick question. What makes your life great? And the answer to that is great teams. Well, what makes great teams? Hiring A players and developing them. And what I see over and over and over again on people who have not getting to where they want to go, not achieving what they want to achieve, it's because they've never really done the hard work of top grading their team. And by the way, that's hard work because it's people's lives. Yeah, it is. And, uh, and yeah, sometimes have to make painful decisions. Um, you know, how do you coach people that say you've invested enough in this person and they're not going to get where you need to? So I asked them, have they truly can, and it gets back, it really gets back to, can you look in the mirror and answer these questions? Have you truly set the expectations you expect from this person? And have you truly, truly response checked for clarity? Do they, are they able to tell you back? What are the key responsibilities and what are the activities to go in those acti- into that responsibilities? Do they have the willingness? Do they have the capability? And have I done everything I can to, to you know, scale up their skill sets so they can do so? Because if they can't and you won't, they're going to be happier somewhere else. And you know you will be happier when they're somewhere else. Addition by subtraction. Sure is. Um, so if people want to get a hold of you to join a Vistage group or to get CEO coaching, how do they get a hold of you these days? So the easiest, simple way is our dear friends over at LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn is your friend. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm, I'm a power user on LinkedIn. I love that place. I think it's a great community. So find me on LinkedIn is the best way to do it. Great. Hey, two questions we always like to ask every guest, right? Which is, you know, uh, who have been your mentors along the way? I'd say the main mentor I had was my very first, you know, real corporate position after getting out of the service and all that. And that was Jake Goza. He was about five foot seven, five foot six from Southern Alabama. And uh, one of those little guys with a huge voice and just this amazing magnetic personality and charisma. And he was the CEO at American Woodmark, which is the company I talked about we did the re-engineering for. And all the advice he gave me really came down to one sentence. Talent is everything. Develop your talent and develop the talent of those around you. Coach, coach, coach. Find great people and make them greater. Uh, you want to throw in a, you know, go Navy, beat Army? <laughs> I always want to throw in a go Navy, beat Army. <laughs> um, and then what's the best career advice you've ever given, gotten, Um I know you've gotten a lot along the way. You mentioned one piece a minute ago. What else comes to mind? Well, unfortunately, it was from you and I didn't listen. So the best career advice I ever got was, if you're already somewhere great and you're doing great work, rewards will follow performance. Don't go chase money. And unfortunately, I didn't listen. I went and chased money. And uh, to this day, literally, when people ask me, what's the dumbest thing I ever did in my career? It was leaving Accenture 
and going to chase money and uh, not a good move. I learned from it the hard way. Well, Bill said, Bill Green said uh, when they, when we talked to him on National Mentor Day, he said his boss at the time when he had another job said to him, you know what you have here. And that's the, you know, it's the same thing. Be careful. You're not using the grass as always greener. Yep. True words. Uh, yep. Larry, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for your, uh, your good advice. And I'm, I'm hopeful that a multitude of people will reach out to you because they can benefit from your coaching and your uh, direct style. So thanks for being on. I really appreciate it, Kevin. It's always great to see you. And I look forward to seeing you in the group next week. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody. And tune in next week for our next episode of CEO to CEO. Take care. Thank you for joining the CEO to CEO podcast. Join us next time as we uncover data strategies to support mergers, acquisitions, divestitures with the world's top CEOs.